Musing through the minor prophets, uh, we gave an overview of the minor prophets last time, and now we are going to endeavor to give a summary of each book on each Sunday evening. Some of them, because of the size, you might have to break it into two or perhaps even three uh, evenings, but that's the idea in going through the minor prophets. We're going to be, begin with Jonah. Although it's not the first of the minor prophets in the scriptures, and we're doing it this way because that's the chronological order. We're not going in the order that we have it in the Bible, because remember now, the order was not inspired. That's the way man has put it together, which is fine, but we're doing it in a chronological fashion. And Jonah is the first of the minor prophets. Again, a summary, we just go over one aspect of this that we gave you last time. The author is Jonah, the son of Amittai, a prophet from Galilee in the northern kingdom of Israel. If you, I want you to open your Bibles, please, because we're going to be going to it, of course. And that's given to us right in verse 1 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. I want you to notice that, the word of the Lord. So the book of Jonah here is the word of God. The date is around 793 to 753. That's the period in which he ministered. And in Second Kings uh, chapter 14, verse 27, would somebody find that verse for me, please? And I want you to read it. I want us to participate in this this evening. Second Kings chapter 14, verse 27. Jonah is connected with the reign of Jehovah-Bohm, the second of Israel. Will somebody read that verse? 2 Kings 14, 27. The reason why that is important, it gives us some idea of the dating of the ministry of Jonah, because we know when Jehovah reigned and so on. The name Jonah means dove, and the implication there for Jonah as the prophet who is going to a pagan country, a Gentile country, which was unheard of in, up to that time, was that the dove is a symbol of peace, and is the idea of God sending a messenger of peace to these folk. That's the connection that is made with his name, the dove. The theme and purpose of the book is to, to show that the God of the Hebrews also has a concern for the whole world. Jonah is really a missionary book, and it gives the call of God to a missionary going to what we would call today a foreign field. So this is a strong text here for missions. God has a concern for the whole world. He has a concern for Haiti as well as the Bahamas. The book also shows that God is sovereign over nature and all human affairs. You'll see him bringing all things together in order to work out his purpose. He controls the sea. He causes the storm to arise. He controls the fish in the sea. He brings a great fish. He's able to calm the sea. God is a God who is sovereign over nature and all of human affairs. Jonah then demonstrates that salvation is of, of the Lord. Look at chapter 2 in the book of Jonah, verse 9. He says, but I will sacrifice to you, this is on the boat, we'll come to this in a moment, 
with the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay. Notice now, salvation is from the Lord. And so God is seen here as the one who is the source, the origin of salvation for all of mankind. And also we see here God's gracious offer of salvation because he is the God of salvation extends to all of his creatures, to the ends of the earth. That's the book of Jonah. The book also, though, demonstrates how prejudice can influence even a believer, a child of God in his ministry. Jonah was a man who was full of prejudice against a foreigner or the foreigner. And that was because of his distorted view of the Jewish nationalism. They believed that they were the only true or good people in the world. Yes, they were called God's chosen people. And because of that, many of them became selfish, arrogant, and prejudiced against others as well. And so this book teaches us about God's attitude towards prejudice in the life of a believer, racism in the life of a believer. Because we're going to see that was the reason why he didn't want to go to the place God was sending him. He didn't like those people. And he didn't want God to bless them. There's a tremendous lesson here. And so the overall lesson of Jonah is to show that God is sovereign also, not only in his salvation, but, is in, in, but also in his compassion. God is sovereign in his compassion. No matter how we might look at a people and how wicked they may be, God still wants to extend passion, his compassion toward them. So now, very briefly, let's give an overview of chapter 1. In this chapter, God teaches us two principles. First, he calls those who know him. God's call to mission comes to individuals who know him. Right here in verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The word of the Lord. Here's the call of God upon an individual. And it's because Jonah knew this God who called him. Here's the call. Arise. Go to Nineveh. The great city. And what it was a great city. At this time, this is one of the greatest cities. It had huge walls. It was a tremendous city with a, with a lot of people. Go, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. God is ready now to deal with this nation. Now, this isn't the first time they've been wicked, mind you. They've been wicked for many, many, many years. But now God is ready to deal with it. We've got to be careful here in the Bahamas. We think we are a Christian nation. And God is overlooking all of our wickedness and evil and corruption and hypocrisy. Mm -mm. Well, yes, he is overlooking it because of his love, because of his long-suffering. But he will soon stop overlooking it. And then he will 
execute his righteousness. So he calls those, look at chapter 4, verse 2. Talking to Jonah, he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? I'll deal with, tell you the context of this in a moment. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. In other words, I knew what you were going to do to these people. That's why I didn't want to come here. I went the opposite direction. For I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Beautiful thought here. God does promise judgment for disobedience. But he also promises, is if you turn around, I will not judge. He, you, the word is used, he repents, he changes his mind. That is not used in the same way we change our mind, because of course God knows everything. But God says, if you obey my word, I will do this. If you don't, I will do that. God is a God who keeps his word. He calls those who know him. But secondly, he chastens those who know him when they disobey him. That is the whole story in the first chapter. After Jonah got the call in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, just reading that shows you, you wonder how much theology Jonah knew. To flee from the presence of God. Who can do that? God cannot flee from the presence of God. He's everywhere. All the time. He sees everything we do. Every place we go. He knows. Cannot flee from the... But you see, when the person is disobedient to God, their thinking goes awry. They think they can fool God. They really think they can outwit God. And so, Jonah runs away. And you know the story. Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, so he went down to Joppa. Let's take a look at this map again that I showed last time. Let's just show you how Job is in just the opposite direction of Tarshish. So he went down. Now preachers make a lot of the fact here that this word down is used at, three, at least three times. For instance, he went down to Joppa. He found a ship which is going to Tarshish. That's in the opposite direction. Paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Then the Lord hurled a great wind. That word is also used several times. A great wind on the sea. And there was a great storm on the sea. So that the ship was about to break up. All of this is because, let me put it in terms of the day, of a disobedient Christian. A disobedient Christian is bringing all this trouble upon people who had nothing to do with it. That happens today. And Christians who don't live according to the word of God and are disobedient, they cause problems and difficulties to come up for other people as well. Verse 5, Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. 
And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down below. That's another down. Into the hold of the ship. He laid down and he went to sleep. The Bible says he went sound asleep. That's something, hey. A person who knows that he's disobeying God can sleep so soundly. Many Christians like that. They know what God wants them to do. Scriptures are clear. But they go around walking in the sleep, as it were. Not listening to the voice of God anymore. Trying to cut it out. Tune out. That's why they don't read the word. That's why they don't come to church. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. All the others were calling on their God. You see, that's how death... Now remember now, these men are sailors. These are hardened sailors. You know, these are not just us going fishing on Paradise Island or taking a little dinghy and going out a harbor like that. No, 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 no. These are hardened sailors and they afraid. they scared. Calling out to their gods. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. What are they implying? Their God don't seem to be concerned about us. We crying out to them. We hollering out to them. They answering us. It may be your God. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. We talk about judgment and how people suffer for other people's sins. We find that throughout scripture. When we sin, how it affects others. When Israel sinned and drought came to the land, the whole nation suffered because of God's people's sin. That's why today we have to be careful when we look at what's happening in here in the Bahamas, with all the violence and everything else, we say, it's all these druggies. All these people who ain't got nothing to do. Is that right? When last have you really prayed for the government of this nation? The Bible commands us to pray for those in authority over us. Why? So that we might have a peaceable life. Now, we don't have a peaceable life. The first place we should look is into our own heart. Am I obeying God in praying for the leaders? We look for scapegoats too quickly. They cast lots and they fell, the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? This sort of time, isn't it? When you think about Haiti. What is your occupation? When I go uh, travel and whatnot in planes people when we sit down the person says what do you do I say I'm a preacher what they, they sat and said boy how come I sit next to a preacher <laughs> you know so I don't say that anymore say what do you do I am a proclaimer then they start to ask questions and so I can talk a little bit differently now. But very rarely do I tell anybody I'm a pastor. Uh, yesterday night I went to an event and had some little, you know, uh, 
big shots there. And so as they were introducing me, when they asked me, I just say, Alan Lee. Then my brother would chime in, Pastor Alan Lee. Every time I go, Pastor Alan Lee. So I said, Henry, just tell them I'm Alan Lee. He said, why? He said, I said, because I'm not their pastor. I'm not their pastor. I said, the only pastor I'm from is for Calvary Bible Church. I nobody else's pastor. But people don't catch a hold of that, you know. We get past people on pastors today. They think they're the pastor of everybody in the Bahamas. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Boy, those are some amazing questions for a Christian to answer. But I'm not supposed to be going through this in detail, so I won't go into each one. Here's what he told. I am a Hebrew. I am a Jew. Now he's talking to a pagan. Pagans knew that the Jews looked at them as dogs. I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And I see his testimony is starting to look shaky here. Because he fears him and he's down there sleeping. Lifting no finger, no hand to try to help. Then the man came extremely frightened and they said to him, How could you do this? For the man knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them so. How could you do this? I believe unsaved people have the right to ask Christians, Christians that same question. There are Christians who work in offices for years. And the people they work with don't know they're Christian. They've never shared Jesus Christ. Calamity happens. And all of a sudden they found out that they're Christian. Why didn't you tell us about Christ? Why didn't you tell us about Jesus? How could you do this? We have Christians like that. Running away from the Lord. Not daring to say, I am a Christian. I am a child of the living God. You see, God then brings on this great storm. They throw him overboard. The great fish comes and it swallows him. God begins to discipline this disobedient believer. You see, what happened with Jonah? He knew God theologically, but he was still a prejudiced person. He knew God was the God of compassion, a God of love for all people. He said he had a relationship with this God, but he did not love the people that this God loved. He was prejudiced against them. He knew God here, but not here. He even knew God's will. He knew where God wanted him to go. He knew what God wanted him to preach. But he didn't give him his will. He didn't give him his heart. He ran away from God. What are you doing with the knowledge you have of God? And the mission that God has given you to do. What excuses have you as you run away from God? Be careful. God could discipline you. 
the way he disciplined Jonah. That's chapter 1. Now in chapter 2, God shows that he forgives his own when they confess their disobedience. After Jonah is swallowed up, and he goes into the belly of the great fish, and you know he makes a wonderful prayer of confession while he's undergoing this discipline of God. But then he's vomited, and that's the word in the Hebrew, it's vomit. We didn't just... Whew. This man had all of the stuff that goes into the digestion of food all over him. He didn't want to stand too close to Jonah when he was vomited up by the great fish. This is what Jonah says though in verse 9, chapter 2. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. In other words, Lord, I'm repenting. I'm turning around. I've done wrong. I'll do what you told me to do. God now finally has Jonah's will. He had his head, now he's got his will. This led to him giving God his whole body, his feet as well. And you think he's ready to go. No? Because he still didn't give something. He didn't give him his heart, his head, his will, his feet. He's ready to go, ready to do it. But with what kind of attitude? Some Christians won't do anything at all until they're forced to do it. And then when they do it, I only do it because I can't get out of it. Not with a willing heart. Not to honor, but just because I push and it sucked deep. And we think we serve in the Lord. He didn't have Jonah's heart. Jonah's ready to go. But now we come to chapter 3. God shows that he forgives repentant sinners. Even the sinning believer. This is the chapter where in response to Jonah's reluctant half-hearted preaching, everyone and everything repents. Look at chapter 3 again. Would somebody read verses 8, 9, and 10 for me of Jonah chapter 3. And then in verse 9 again, who knows, God may turn and so on. So here now, everyone repents of Jonah's preaching. Are you talking about a successful evangelistic crusade? From the king down to the animals? You heard what the king said? Notice, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. The only person who didn't repent in his heart was Jonah. 
he didn't believe his own preaching. Look at verse 1, chapter 4. It greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. What? People responding to the message. Jonah got angry at God for saving the people. Just amazing how our minds could be distorted in our thinking when we are out of the will of God and our heart is not right with him. No matter what we might be doing around us. This man was preaching, you know. Today we'd say he's in the pulpit. He's preaching the word. But then when God responds, he's angry at God because he's so prejudiced. He still hasn't given his heart. He doesn't have the attitude of God toward the sinner. The Bible says he was angry. Now this is where God shows Jonah what he lacks as a genuine servant of God in chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. He's telling God now, I didn't want to come because I know you were going to save these pagans and I don't like them. Now, believe it or not, some Christians have that kind of attitude towards certain people. Let me be outspoken here. Some people have that attitude towards Haitians. I ain't going down there, not me. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, O Lord, now please take my life, for death is better to me than life. Do you believe that? The man wants to die, because the people whom he hates is being shown love by God. Jonah's probably thinking, my mom, my, my, now wait a minute now. These people come to God. That means I may got to sit next to them in the church. That means I might have to have lunch with them sometime. That means their children going to play with my children. And God forbid, suppose they marry one of my children. <laughs> Lord, I'd rather die. You say people don't think like that? I got a real preacher here today, boy. Jonah did the will of God, but not from the heart. The work was done, but Jonah was not blessed. And we have so many people like that in the ministry today, going through the motion, and they just as sour, and they just as mean as anything. He did it only out of a sense of obligation, not for love for God or love for the people that God loves. And when we minister like that, we just as well stop ministering because it doesn't count for God at all. Jonah had no real love for God. Otherwise, he would love those whom God loved. If you don't love God, you can never love sinners. That's why this is such an amazing story. The pagans had a concern for Jonah, but Jonah did not have a concern for them. Jonah's problem was that he knew more than he lived. He knew more than he lived. You don't know how I struggled with that in my own life. That's why I always call myself the biggest hypocrite in Calvary Bible Church. Because I understand so much here, and so much of it I don't do. 
In chapter 4, we come to sort of the conclusion of the whole thing here. And God, through giving and taking away, you know, big, the big giant tree that shielded him from the scorching sun because he got so mad, he, go, he said, let me go sit down and see what God can do with this people. And he sat down and the sun started to give him sunstroke. He had no hat. He had no lotion. And so God provides protection for him. Boy, he liked that too. But now God begins to teach him that it is love and compassion that bridges the gap between knowledge and godly obedience. It's love. Love bridges the gap between knowledge and obedience. Gives us the right motive, the right attitude to do what God tells us to do. He is looking for a heart more than he's looking for our head or our feet. The Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And that's like air condition. He had like an air condition unit going. And Jonah was extremely happy. Now he's happy that God blessed him with his air condition unit. But boy, he was mad that God saved those sinners. God appointed a great worm and dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed. Now, I want you to see this word appointed. This is God directs dealing. And many times God appoints calamities in our life as well as blessing. He appoints it. He does it. God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. God did it. He brings this natural disaster. And he became faint and begged with all his soul, you won't die again. This man had the suicidal complex. He won't die. Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about this plant? He said, yeah, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. And God said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work. That means it's by grace. And which you did not cause to grow. Which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? The great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and left hand as well as many animals? This is the lesson of the book. Notice it ends at verse 11. There's no verse 12. You know why? You got to write it in your own life. You have to write it in your own life. It has to be written according to what you and I become in response to the lesson God taught Jonah. Jonah's response was the book. The reason why we have this book is because of what you read here and what God did with Jonah. That's Jonah's response. What's yours going to be? God wants us to serve, to witness, and to obey him from the heart. Our love for him and our compassion for others, which should motivate us 
to reach to the ends of the world with his message that Jesus died for all. And all you need is to place your faith in Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, the one who died and was raised again for your justification. That message is to go out for all, but not just like a radio or a CD. It's to be done from the heart. We should be looking at Haiti now from the heart. He wants our entire being, not just our head, not just our feet. He wants the whole person. He wants the heart. That's what bridges the gap between knowledge and obedience. The reason why a lot of people are not doing what they know God wants them to do is because they really do not have any love for God. Therefore, they do not have love for people other than themselves. God's purpose then in his dealing with Jonah was to reveal to him what it took to bridge the gap between knowledge and obedience. In other words, what it takes to have the mind move the feet. This is a situation that we are constantly and consistently experiencing when we are exposed to the Word of God. The only thing that prevents us from obeying it is our heart. The lesson that Jonah was taught is the lesson that we need to learn. Selah. Think and act on these things.